morning. Jason Goins here with Rick Bonfam Ministries. Uh, glad to have you with us this morning or afternoon or evening, wherever you are. You know, this is the internet, so it's all over the place. But uh, good to talk to you. want to give you an update. Uh, yesterday, uh, Pastor Rick and the team got back from Brazil. Everything went great. Uh, the description is the mother of all Brazilian revivals happened this weekend. So <clears throat> they're uh, they're feeling good, very tired, lots of prayer, lots of salvation, lots of healings. Um, the Lord just did a mighty work. So um, interestingly enough, my topic today is about mighty works. Um, over the past week, I just started getting curious um, about miracles. Um, so I want to talk about that today. And so I started this thought process in a familiar passage to the people that regular our website, that frequent our um, trips, which would be uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Um, <clears throat> and I'm just going to read uh, verses 8 through 11. It says this, uh, For one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge, according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healings by the one Spirit, to another the workings of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, and to another various kinds of tongues to another the interpretation of tongues all these are empowered by one and the same spirit who apportions to each one individually individually as he wills <clears throat> so what i got into was this one part in verse 10 where it says to another the working of miracles so this is an important word because I started to look into it a little bit and realized that what we call miracles, what we call the miracles of Jesus and what we call miracles in general, actually have a bunch of different names throughout the gospel. Right? So if you if you begin to look around through the gospels, things that we describe as miracles um, <clears throat> are sometimes called signs sometimes called wonders, sometimes mighty works, and sometimes they're called miraculous deeds. So I found at least four different ways that the gospel, the scriptures, um, describe what we would call miraculous events. So I just want to kind of get a, <clears throat> a little bit of a closer look at these, right? So let me go let me say it one more time okay signs wonders mighty works or power and deeds <clears throat> so all of these are real important right uh because we see Jesus actually in the gospel of John we see all of these different words used for different things that that Jesus does in the Gospels. 
So I want to I want to start with signs. Okay? And signs it's an interesting thing because as you look at at the word in the gospel, signs means works that bear witness. Okay, and the, and the word in the gospel is semion. <clears throat> and it means an event that communicates a type of a meaning or an outward appearance. So, okay, there's, that's all the academic-y, you know, let's translate the Greek stuff here. But what, what does that really look like, right? Yeah. What I figured out is that signs in the gospel, when you read it in Acts, when you read it in uh, Corinthians, when you read it in John, and as you read it throughout the Old Testament, a sign establishes authority to the person that it seems to come from. All the sign is a miracle, so it comes from the power of God. But people work the sign. <clears throat> so the sign would establish the authority of the person that's working it. Right? Every prophet in the Old Testament had a sign. Um, as you look through, they have a different thing that communicates their authority to speak on certain things. Right? Even Jesus says uh, Jonah had the sign of the whale. Right? And and he, he complains to the people that he's working all of these different signs and they still don't necessarily believe in him. So I want to look at, at one of them <coughs> that Jesus worked in, in John 6. And he says that this is a sign. It says, After this, Jesus went away the other side of the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias, and a large crowd was following him because they saw the signs that he was doing on the sick. So, see, he was doing some signs that, that dealt with healing. Jesus went up on the mountain, and there he sat down with his disciples. And the, <clears throat> now the Passover feast of the Jews was at hand, lifting his eyes. Then, <clears throat> and seeing a large crowd was coming towards him, Jesus said to Philip, where are we to buy bread so that these people may eat? And he said, he said this to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered him, 200 denarii worth of bread would not be enough for each of them to get a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, there's a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish. But what are they for so many? And Jesus said, Have the people sit down. Now there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down, about five thousand in number. Jesus then took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated. So also the fish, as much as they wanted. And when they had eaten their fill, he told his disciples, Gather up the leftover fragments, that nothing may be lost. So they gathered them up, filled twelve baskets 
with fragments from five barley loaves left by those who had eaten. When the people saw the sign that he had done, they said, This is indeed the prophet who is <coughs> is to come into the world. Notice the sign that he had done. There, what they decided what they decided about it is that this is indeed the prophet that is to come in the world. And then it says this, Perceiving then that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, Jesus withdrew again to the mountain by himself. <clears throat> so, right, really clear, really clearly, this is a sign. It, it specifically says that Jesus got there, broke up all these loaves, and did whatever he did with the fish. And this is a sign to the people that he's the prophet like Moses. Right? He prayed and provided provided bread. Just like there was manna in the wilderness, Jesus now has the provision to feed the people. This is one of many, many, many of Jesus' prophetic signs. If you if you go through the Gospel of John, you'll see it, it'll... I mean, if you went through and you had a list and you just listed them off, I, I don't even know how many times, 20, 30, multiple times, it says that Jesus was there and he was working in signs and in wonders. So, as I said before, Let's let's recap, right? A, a sign <clears throat> a sign establishes your authority, right? E- even if, if you went on in 1 Corinthians, just a little bit further down, it tells us I'm sorry, in in 2 Corinthians, Paul actually tells us, I think it's in chapter 14 that he was there with them and he worked the signs of an apostle. So anyone that has a gift of ministry, anyone that has anyone who's called by Christ in the way that the book of Ephesians says that some will be prophets, some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, and some teachers, all of those type of people have a certain kind of authority. Right? The authority to, to be an apostle, to be one that's sent. The authority to be a prophet, to speak the words of God. The the words of the evangelist that proclaims good news. Right? The the words of the pastor to take care of people. The the gifting of the teacher to, to fill in the blanks of all the stuff that the, all those other people are saying. Right? They will have a sign. Now, it's hard to tell what that sign is because it's usually like some kind of weird miraculous thing and it doesn't have to be a crazy miracle right there there are many different signs right some of the prophets laid on their sides and did really weird stuff like ate nasty things i'm not even gonna you know go into all the nasty stuff they ate (laughs) this time of morning right but you know ate nasty stuff did horrible things married prostitutes um you know, had uh, these these throne room visions, 
the Lord just worked through them in ways that established their authority before people. Right? And, and <clears throat> this past week, the past couple weeks before, we were talking through Hebrews, right? So one of the examples that came up of one of these signs uh, would be Aaron. Right? So this is not a new thing. I want that's what I'm I, I want to really establish here that this idea of signs building authority, this isn't like a new covenant thing. This isn't God changed how things work. None of that, right? It goes all the way back. Everyone that had authority in the kingdom, they have some kind of a sign, right? Joseph had his special coat. That was a sign, a prophetic sign from his father. Uh, Noah had his ark, right? So many different things happened <clears throat> to establish signs, right? And one of those stories is Aaron. And I'm not going to read it because it's a, it's a fairly long story. But the basics, right? God established Aaron as a, as a priest. And as he was doing this work, and... Um, you know, as a guy who who uh, worked many years in construction and in uh, different trades, uh, I, I can relate really well to Aaron because uh, one of the things that happens often is you have a skill, you have an ability, or you have authority given to you, and the first thing that wants to happen is somebody wants to come in and say. Well, I could do that. And that's what they did, right? They came in and they're like, oh, I can, I, I mean, I, I make dinner for my family. I could cut up a lamb and put it on the barbecue on the grill. So they came in and that, that's what they did, right? They, they kind of tried to undermine Aaron by saying they could do what he could do, which in a certain aspect, yes, they could. But God established Aaron, right? He had all of those people that were saying <clears throat> they could do that because I think what might have happened is the people saw that Aaron, although it was a nasty, messy job and it had a burden for people, um, they had a jealousy, right? Because Aaron and those Levitical priests got an inheritance, by being the priest, that was their work, right? The work of a pastor and the covering for the community, that was their work. And, and maybe some people thought, oh, well, this is this is a bread and butter cake job. You know, I can chill here in the tent and get some food. So I want to do it. <clears throat> but what happened, right, is God had them come in and he and he had them bring this, bring a staff, right? Mo many of them were shepherds. They were walking in the desert. They had some walking sticks. And they put them in, into the tabernacle, right? And as that happened, uh, they were all supposed to leave. <clears throat> when they came back, Aaron's staff, specifically, had butted. Had, had rose up like a, like a living tree. Right? And so they kept that stick in the ark. <clears throat> that was a sign, right? So it goes all the way back at least that far. 
and probably further, that God establishes people's authority to speak in His place, to do His work by a sign. So, I could go on and on all day long just about the idea of signs, right? Um, <clears throat> the interesting thing that I, you know, that I thought, that I found was there's a really closely related one and it almost always, they almost always like come together when they're talked about in the gospel and that's wonders, right? It says Jesus worked in signs and wonders. So here's an interesting distinction. Signs, so if I'm talking about me, a sign would establish my authority. A wonder establishes God's authority. <clears throat> what do I mean by that? Well, let, let's look again. I want to just give you kind of the, the word here, right? Um, and the word in the, in the Greek is uh, teros which means an omen, or in their language, like a miracle, right? And it always reveals God. It's like a revelation-style miracle. <clears throat> and so, throughout the Gospels, again, John, if you want to look at all of these different words, they're in the Gospel of John in differing places. But you have to be careful, because a lot of translations... Just say miracle. Some of the more uh, regular translations will just give you miracle. But often signs and wonders are right next to each other because God establishes both of them, right? <clears throat> and really, any miracle establishes God, right? The, the, the first Corinthians passage that we read at the beginning establishes that all of those nine gifts establish that God's God's here with you. They're they're the manifestation of the Spirit. But let me read you um, from this story. And there are a couple of them here in John 4 and 5. These these chapters just are rich in all of these things, right? It says this in John 4, 46. So he came again to Cana, in Galilee, where he had made the water wine. And at Capernaum, <clears throat> there was an official whose son was ill. When this man heard that Jesus had come from Judea to Galilee, he went to him and asked him to come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. So Jesus said to him, Unless you see signs and wonders, there you go, right? We're holding on to wonders here. You will not believe. And the official said to him, Sir, come down before my child dies. Pretty bold, right? Is it, beggars can't be choosers, or maybe they can in this instance, right? He's like, just, just come down. What's it going to hurt, right? And then Jesus said to him, Go, your son will live. <clears throat> the man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him and went on his way. And as he was going down, his servant met him and told him that his son was recovering. So he asked him, asked them the hour when he began to get better. 
And they said to him, Yesterday at the seventh hour, the fever left him. The father knew that was the hour when Jesus had said to him, Your son will live. And he himself believed in all his household. This was now the second sign that Jesus did when he had come from Judea. <clears throat> now some places, the last part says sign, and some, of, some places it says uh, wonder. <clears throat> and so if you look there at the translation, we, we get wonder, which means this is a sign, this is a miracle that Jesus does. It establishes God, right? It establishes God's hand. Jesus wasn't right there standing on top of it, um, but he commanded it. He said, it's already done. So the, the Father's will was done right there. And we and we see that again, right? These kind of wonders, these kind of things happen again all the way back through Scripture. We're not talking about this is a new thing. Um, wonders go all the way into the Old Testament, where God will do something that just establishes Him as all powerful. As God that can do everything, right? We we see Moses, right? If we want to keep with that, let's keep with that line, right? The Aaron Moses situation, right? You have the Passover. All that could be done in that Passover was to paint some blood on your door and hope you did it right, and and have the meal, and God took care of the rest, right? He established that sacrifice of the first son right there in right there in Exodus and established his authority um obviously the creation is a wonder of god right that's his miraculous wonder and um in the in the wilderness right the sea parts that's not on Moses, that's on God. God says, I'm going to part the sea and I'm going to hold them back with a pillar of fire. <clears throat> that wasn't considered a sign. That was considered God's uh, all-powerful establishment of his authority. The, the interesting thing, the cool thing, right, is as you kind of look at it, these are real close together. They're, they're always uh, put right on top of each other. So one of the things that God did in the wilderness that's both a sign and a wonder is the prophetic building of that tabernacle, right? Um, <clears throat> so it was the tabernacle in the wilderness was a, was a great prophetic sign, right? Again, we just a couple weeks ago we were dealing in the book of Hebrews. And it talks about how the tabernacle established so many things that we can now see after seeing Jesus. Right? As a sign, it established the Levitical priests in their work, in their calling, and what they were supposed to do. Everybody had a everybody had a job assigned in that tabernacle. 
Everybody knew what they were supposed to do. Not everyone could go beyond the little veil. Not everybody could, you know, sacrifice the meat. Everybody had an assignment, and that was their sign to them. It, it actually says that the people that built that tabernacle, it's the first time it says anyone was filled with the Spirit in the Bible. It says in the, that Bezalel <coughs> was filled with the Holy Spirit in order that he may build the tabernacle. There's a prophetic manifestation that was built up for the people. And so it established them, but it also, if we again, if you read Hebrews and other parts of the letters, you'll see that the tabernacle established Jesus as that high priest, right? The the better offering, the better blood on on the altar. <clears throat> but it's also a wonder because it establishes God's authority and desire to bring redemption, restoration, and healing. Right? It it uh as you again as you read you read the Old Testament and then you bring the New Testament Hebrews word in there, you see that doing this there there's a there is a similar temple in heaven that's perfected. Right? There's a tabernacle that Jesus goes into and he intercedes for us there. So it establishes a revelation of not only who Jesus is and who God is, it establishes a relationship and an authority there. <clears throat> and so signs and wonders are really close together because sometimes it, I would say that it's going to be hard for you to figure out what's a sign and what's a wonder, right? <clears throat> they're, but they're distinct. Um, <clears throat> it's it's really interesting to me because of the of the way the Levitical priesthood came about, right? God God's establishment of this wonder really is that that the Levitical priesthood that they that they inherited from like the the worst of the brothers of the 12 tribes of Israel, right? So if you don't know who the Levites were chosen from, they were chosen uh, from the brothers who uh, they had a sister, and she was raped, right? And the guy came, and he tried to redeem himself. He was like, I messed up. I was really in love with her, and I got confused, and I did something wrong, and I want to marry her, and I want to... Try to make this right, and the father said, I, "I'm I'm hoping he talked to his daughter a little bit." And then he said, "You know, okay, we're gonna we're gonna try to make this right." Okay, it doesn't say all that, but that's my prayer, right? It, we're gonna try to make this right. Okay, you guys were out on a date, things got out of hand. Let's get y'all married. Figure this out. <clears throat> okay, it happens. All right, I did, that's where I come from. Right, and so really, really uh, close to my heart. But they, uh, the father said, but you have to do one thing, right? We're we're required as a people to get circumcised. And so, in order to do that, he said, you get circumcised 
and we'll get you guys married and we'll you know we'll try to redeem this we'll try to figure out how to make this work and what happens is the brothers the levites the guy that is the namesake of the levites goes out and kills them all while they're down after surgery basically right and so what god is doing is he took the bitter people the most unforgiving bitter murderer and he made them the redeemer he he made them do what they should have done in the beginning which was be sacrificial in a certain way to their own pride to their own hatred and and set it down so they are eternally blessed and cursed with the fact that they that their forefathers did this the blessing is they get to redeem people they get to be the ones that make a sacrifice and help people break away from their their feelings that they can't be forgiven from the most unforgiving set of people comes the people that have to forgive all the time <clears throat> and that is establishes a revelation of God's mercy because God could be the one who is perfect and never has to forgive us. But he established, no, my authority says if you're unforgiving, start forgiving. And just keep doing it until it sinks in. And the hard part about it is we get to Jesus and what's he have to say to him? You don't, you've been doing all this and the blood's just getting on your clothes. It's not soaking in. You're not getting it. And so the hard part about the signs and wonders is oftentimes we see these great signs and these great wonders and it just bounces right off. It's a cool story to put in our journal and we don't see it anymore. But really what God's heart is is to reveal himself to us. His heart in these things is is to change us. We can do it over and over again and see the signs and see the wonders and never change. So, the heart of God for us today is um, seek the signs. Look for the wonders. As Corinthians says, search for the higher gift. But the greater way is love. So I just want to pray for us in that regard and have a good morning. Lord Jesus, I thank you for today, Lord. I thank you, Lord, that you um Lord, that you bring signs and wonders not only to establish your authority, the authorities of your servants, Lord, but also, God, that you um you bring them for our betterment, Lord. You bring them for the healing of our bodies our hearts and our minds. So today, if if there's anyone who's listening, who's watching, Lord, that, that just needs healing in their body, Lord, we just say, uh, let it be done in Jesus' name. I thank you, Lord, for all that you've done and all that you're about to do, Lord. Grow us in love. Grow us in your spirit. Amen. Stay.